All right, Luke Thomas here on Monday. I guess it's the 27th of October. This is for my signal to noise column on MMAfighting.com. And it's about the fight card on Saturday night. Because as we know, the main event was incredible. One of the best featherweight title fights of all time, if not the best. Arguably, in some respects, maybe the best featherweight fight of all time. One of the most important featherweight fights of all time. Any kind of accolade you can heap on it, uh, you should. Because it was incredible. Um, one versus two, a rematch, extremely close, both guys getting hurt, one showing technical maturation, um, both having to rise to the occasion on certain moments of a fight that had narrative going over minute over minute, something you often find in boxing with 12 rounds, but often lacks in mixed martial arts, even in good fights. This fight had everything, but the fight card itself was dreadful. Uh, I would not go so far as to call it a disaster in any kind of capacity, but it was just not good. There's really not a lot of positive things about the fight card generally, absent the main event, that you can say. Um, it featured a lot of guys who I would argue have no business in the, in the UFC. If the UFC is the premier product, there were a ton of guys on that card who are nowhere close to being premier. There has never been, really, consistently over time, a strong consumer-based sports market for second-tier minor league sports, at least in the United States. It's just never really happened. Now, this was in Brazil, I understand that, but we're talking about pay-per-view, which is what this fight was on, which is a North American phenomenon. We're talking about certainly at least one half of the main event being an American guy. And um, I'm, I'm told that the event sort of did well at the gate. It was reported that it did well at the gate, but I'm sort of pointing out to you that the rest of that card was just not good. And I think that there was no greater display of the difference between what elite talent looks like and what non-elite talent looks like, even if they're wearing gloves that say UFC on them. They're, they're, it's just not fun to watch. And I understand that sometimes you can go to an amateur bout here locally in DC or wherever town you're in, and you might see a lot of finishes. It's not necessarily true that the better you get, the more finishes there are. You can get quote unquote action fights with worse fighters. Moreover, look at the co-main event. You had two guys in the top 10 of the light heavyweight division didn't necessarily put on the most exciting display ever. Technical, I think most folks would agree, but maybe not necessarily aesthetically pleasing to you. I didn't mind it, but I understand that folks do. So I understand it's not a one-to-one -one correlation, but generally speaking, over time, limited fighters do limited things. And in the Elkins fight, he's a good fighter, but Martins is also a good fighter, but they both have really kind of weak spots. Martins wasn't really able to create separation. Elkins could do little more than hold him against the cage. And even though he was ranked in the top 15, they just really couldn't round that corner. Forget about Fabio Maldonado and Hans Stringer. I mean, neither of those guys deserve to be here. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy that they are. Uh, it doesn't make them bad people. It doesn't mean they can't eventually um, work on their craft to then earn a spot. But the core thing that the UFC does, the real value add, what none of their competitors can do, is offer a premium product. Everyone else can kind of offer one at times, but they can't consistently do it. If the UFC wanted to, even with injuries, they could still consistently do it. And so to me, when people say, I don't mind more fights, more fights is great. You either can't tell the difference between what you saw in that main event on Saturday or you're just lying. There's no in-between. The market for people who say more fights is always better is, is, is 12 donks. That's it. There is no larger market for it because it's not good. It's not that fun to watch. Again, 
I couldn't say enough positive things about the main event. And also, up-and-coming prospects like Gilbert Burns can't say enough positive things about them. Um, and I understand people may make purchasing decisions just based on a main event, which is fine. I have no issues with that. If all you care about is Jose Aldo, that's fine. Buy his pay-per-views. Watch him when he's on TV. I'm not telling you to do anything other than what you may want to do. All I'm simply telling you is, could there have been a bigger chasm between what you saw from a technical standpoint and what you saw in the rest of the card? And moreover, when you marry a technical fight, uh, or I should say when a technical fight also becomes an action fight, I'm sorry, there's no parallel to it. You saw that with, for example, Weidman versus Machida. You saw it with Aldo versus Mendez. There is no peer to that. There is no equal. There is no equivalent. You can put up a thousand guys who are okay fighters, and they can all have action fights. It doesn't even touch the kind of thing you see from the world's best, that premium side of the product, both from up-and-coming blue-chip prospects and the more established guys at the end. And I understand managing all that can be difficult. Some guys are going to sneak through. They're going to stay longer. Not every single fight can be that way. But what your people are always telling me is the UFC decides to go global, which is their right to do, that, well, listen, I don't mind more fights. More fights is great. I'm sorry. It's not the case. It does not make it better. There is no way to grow quality at scale, at least not at this pace. There will always only be 10 to 15 guys in the top of that weight class. That's it. There will only be that. Again, there will be a couple floaters on the outside, rising prospects like your Gilbert Burns, and finding them and, and maturing them and, and getting them the right kind of fights at the right time will always be difficult. But there, you, that, that, there will always only be 10 top 10 guys. There will never be 20 top 10 guys at light heavyweight. There will only always be 10. And the more you move outside of that, the more you begin to dilute the quality of the product, which in the UFC's case, they don't have to do, they choose to do. Because they have like 98, 95% of the world's best fighters. The more they expand out of that to meet the needs of their global schedule, the more they are picking up fighters who just don't rate wearing UFC on their gloves. Now, one small point to address. You say, Luke, you're appraising this main event from... Uh, Saturday, which you should do. But weren't you the one saying you didn't necessarily care for watching Jose Aldo fight? How can you then, and you said that on Friday, how can you then say you like the main event? A couple of responses to that, because folks asked the question. Number one, this was an atypical fight. I wrote the article on Friday based on historical data. One other fight doesn't undo that. The data is all still there. The resume is all still there. Get a Fight Pass subscription and go rewatch the Korean Zombie versus Jose Aldo. Go rewatch Ricardo Lamas versus Jose Aldo. Go rewatch Frankie Edgar versus Jose Aldo. Rewatch these things. I'm not making it up. His strongest stats are still defensive stats. Even after he added a record number of significant strikes in this bout, which he did, by the way. Moreover, as I noted in the article, Aldo is one of those strange guys who some people believe defensive fighters to be defensive because they're not really capable of doing much. They don't have strong offensive skills, so they've specialized in one side of the game to counteract that. That's not Jose Aldo. I noted that directly in the article. He actually can be offensive. He chooses more often, though, to really balance the two in a much more measured way. Third, this was never about his skills or his resume. His resume is impeccable. There is no debate. Someone asked you who's the greatest featherweight of all time. There's one choice. There's not even a distant number two. Not even when Japan ruled the roost for the lighter weight classes. It's Jose Aldo. That's the guy. 
that nevertheless doesn't undo through up to Saturday some of the more languid performances he had turned in. The fact that Chad Mendez forced him to come out of his shell, forced him to use his offense, is the exact kind of exception that proves the rule. The question going forward is, will Cub Swanson be a guy who can do that as well? Will Conor McGregor, if Aldo gets past Swanson, be the kind of guy who can do that as well? We'll find that out. But the question is not whether all of a sudden all of the data we had and all of the video footage that we had and all the understanding of how the WEC to UFC transfer of the cage and the open spaces just all of a sudden never happened. It all happened. You have to reckon with it. The question is, can guys change that going forward? Mendez, on that night in that fight, was able to do that. So that's sort of my response to that. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, of course. This is a promotional more practice live chat extra. It will also go in my signal to noise column. I want everyone out there to understand the premium side of the product is the most fun side of the product. It is the sugar in the drink. It is the it is the winning lottery ticket. Everything else is is just it's the, the, the to me and it's funny that we call this column signal to noise. To me, we, the the signal that the UFC can send is better than anybody's, but they are clouding it with a ton of extra noise. And I hope that the card on Saturday, if nothing else, showed to you how great the truly elite can be and how significantly, profoundly, utterly different the rest of the fight game looks. In MMA, it is very hard to be good. And the difference between what is very good and not very good maybe is only a few numbers based on the rankings, but it's leagues apart from the smell test. It's it, You're either really good or you're just kind of okay. There's not a lot of in-between. And the less of the okays and not-so-goods and maybe kind of don't deserve here, to be here, we can get in the UFC, the better. One last point, I know I'm rambling here, but i got to make this clear. People always say, Luke, isn't it better that all these fighters have a chance to get more money and because there's more fights? No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. The UFC and the fight business generally, this isn't a charity. In my estimation, the best fighters with the most non-replicable skills deserve to be paid the most. When all of a sudden do we turn into say, well, we're going to depress salaries generally so we can pay other guys who aren't nearly as good as those guys? That makes no sense to me. No, that's not about making sure a, a, a bunch of guys who, can't, who fight at this level can get paid so a bunch of the guys at this level don't get paid as much. That makes absolutely zero sense to me. It's not a charity. It's a business. Let's pay the guys with the incredible skills, the money they deserve to have, and then they'll obviously have a scale on down. Let's not turn the fight business into, aren't we giving opportunities to guys who ordinarily wouldn't get this? That is that is absolutely not the business of the fight game. That's not the business of an organization generally. The business is about rewarding, nurturing, securing, and promoting the world's elite talent. That's what that's about. If other guys don't make the cut, oh well. That's how the NFL works. That's how the NBA works. That's how MLB works. They have three-tiered system in MLB. Or I should say three, you know, uh, single-A, double-A, triple-A. And there's D-League. No one watches the D-League. All, all of a sudden, should we bring D-League into the NBA? Make more games? Make the games longer so we can all of a sudden, hey, guy, look, the guys in the D-League are getting the league minimum. No one cares about that. What we care about is making sure the guys who can make the cut get the kind of financial rewards that they deserve because their skills are the most in demand and the kind that can give the greatest return. All right, I'm out of here. See you guys later.